mean, that, that's what sounds like me when I walked across the town for the first time in half of a year. Wow. Why did you Why did you do that? Oh, no, I, I was just running a box over to Nosus Maximus. Running? Uh, I, was spr- I was walking at speed through town on a cold day, and I wore just a little too many layers, so I overheated a bit too much. It was really a bad call. Does your older brother know that you refer to him as Nosus Maximus? <laughs> no, I think that was the first, so... <laughs> Oh. I guess it would be Nasus. What what was Latin for Nasus? I mean, harsh but true. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, he he was he was busy with doing a sponsorship meeting or something, and then oh, wow. he also had left a piece of vital equipment uh, uh, here. And he's like, "Can you t- can you take it over here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I suppose I can." <laughs> uh, but then it overheated. I was I was in a hurry, wore too many clothes on a cold day, majorly overheated. Actually, ended up tired by the time I got home. Yeah, it was an hour-long walk in total, so not bad. But okay, yeah, I still I was still more tired than I think I've ever been from from a such a short walk. So I mean, he 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 is clearly doing you know real sponsorship, not just the kind of flippant way that we talk about. Hey, Greg's want to sponsor us? Like he's <laughs> yeah. actually getting that dollar. Oh no, yeah. When he's talking sponsorship, it means that somebody has reached out to him with an offer of money that is significant enough to make him go. Oh. Must be nice. I've offered. I've been offered a couple of sponsor deals. Have you? Uh, not for the podcast. For who? Uh, but yeah, because I run the. Uh, I run a YouTube and Twitter account for uh, Brian, the text to speech bot that everybody uses, but specifically Brian, the spe- the text to speech bot that we sometimes utilize in our production, uh, for for Rocket League stuff, and people I think guess that he's a legitimate individual. Uh, the blind sponsor companies who just want to throw money at people who make videos that get more than a thousand views. So I get the occasional really cringy message. It's like, hey, we saw your video, insert video here. But it actually says insert video here because they never do that part. <laughs> <laughs> and we loved it. Well, We'd love to sponsor a video in your channel. Uh, please reply to us if you if you want to discuss um, um how much you would but you want us to pay it, it's like the bots who comment on these episodes on soundcloud yeah there's two different types of bots the first one is the people with names like uh melanie big boob and uh titania which is one though oh, just just a singular one titania valakova and they'll send direct messages to the cease operate account yeah. saying things like hey i loved your track episode 224 big <laughs> yeah. pile of nothing this was a great song come click here and we'll play your song and then the other ones are people who leave comments uh, again, at like the 47 minute mark on a track, <laughs> just automated, being like, love these beats, sick dude, send your yep. track to this place and it'll get played and you'll get money. <laughs> and it's it never ceases to amaze me that these people and these uh, kind of things exist. But uh, sorry, I deviated from my original point. I would really like sponsorship for the show, but particularly for this cupboard, because the lights that I've installed in here have literally just all gone out one by one, and I have no oh. idea why. It's very, very strange, and I'm oh. attempting to fix it midway through. So, James, talk. Do you ever get weird sponsorship spam bots like that? I guess what you're needing, actually, is some sponsors who will happily send you, like, a little neon array to advertise on our definitely visual uh, <laughs> podcast 
Um, so the neon advertising could act as a sort of light in your dark, dark cupboard. Well, I don't... Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm still attempting to fix this light thing. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Cease Operate, episode 225, The Light in the Darkness. I got a secret. I got a secret. And what? Try, I, I, don't, I don't want to spoil this for everybody after this long, but we aren't live. You could... You could just take a little minute to try and fix the lights without continuing to pressure yourself to multitask. Uh, yeah, but where's the fun in that? There is no fun in that. Welcome to Seesaw Parade, episode something or other, over 200, less than 500. Uh, that's it's, Colin, I'm not. It is episode 225, so in some way, due to the way that in this country we assign importance to nice numbers, this is episode 225, so therefore it's important. Yeah, it's, it's a kind of nice number. It's got some kind of a feeling of symmetry in the two and the five. Uh, we've uh, had a few comments from last week's show. Thank you very much for getting in touch. You can do oh on Twitter at Seesaw Parade, uh, on Facebook. Well, not on Facebook anymore. We don't like Facebook. Just ignore it. Delete Facebook. So just basically Twitter, just message us directly. It's great. Uh, <laughs> Izzy was asking, I think her question is, is James putting his eggshells in the food bin or the normal bin? Followed by an emoji with a, ah. a mono glass what's it called again monocle <laughs> this a, mon- a monoglass glass, yes this is now this is a good question okay uh, what's your answer pre-pandemic i was putting them in the food bin uh, but then we got a letter through the door when the pandemic cracked in and the council's like hey oh we're not doing food bins yes uh, for the for next wee while um please put all your food waste in the regular bin um so i'm putting them in the regular bin now for just now. Yeah, the, the same thing's actually happened to me, which is, I don't know when they're going to resume because I feel terrible putting eggshells and yeah. banana things in yeah. a normal bin because that's not what the bin is for. Yeah. Although when they sent that, I did realise that I I don't think they had taken, I don't, I think they had left the, the food bin for a, quite a few months pre-pandemic. <sighs> so I think I think they knew it was coming. Okay. Um, so we've actually had it removed because there's a communal one as well, a big one in the middle of the square that's absolute rank, um, which they've since removed as well. Um, <laughs> but they were they were already getting lazy on that. But yes, until until now, food bin. Now bin bin. What I find with food bins, and and this would be great if I lived, you know, somewhere with a garden and somewhere I could actually have Ooh, yeah, a yeah. place where I could put my food waste. Because as James has alluded to. When you have these food bins in the middle of a city, they are disgusting. Yeah. And you open up this casket of bin juice and dead food, oh, yeah. and all it is is mass of flies. flies yeah. It stinks. Yeah. And foxes getting about it, and it's it's rank rotten. And so I can't say I blame the council for deciding to say, you know what, this pandemic gives gives us an excuse for you to just start putting your stuff back in a regular bin. Keep doing that. Aye, well, well, we'll take one of the bin lorries off the road. We'll, we'll, we'll cut, we'll cut some costs while pandemic's on. Um, but I, I haven't actually paid fewer taxes while the pandemic's on, so I'm not sure why we're cutting costs uh, at council levels. Unless I guess businesses aren't paying as much tax to the council levels because all the businesses are dying. Who knows? Anyway, eggs. Don't eat the shells. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what I've started doing, essentially, to uh, you know, as a big middle finger to the council, but also to my downstairs neighbour, is uh, anytime I've got leftover food, I will sometimes at Ooh. one in the morning <laughs> launch out the window and <laughs> give it to the foxes. <laughs> what? So, for example, like last week, <laughs> where I had some, I had some chips, and uh, I had overcooked the chips. I also made too many, right. and so I was like, right. 
These, eight the good ones. I ate the good ones, absolutely, and I had uh, the the reject pile. Right. And I thought these can either go to the bin, or they can go to the foxes outside. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I and so I launched some out the window, and then I put the rest in the windowsill. And I came there in the morning, and the, they were all gone. So either the wind took them, or the birds did, or my neighbour climbed up the windowsill and took them for herself. <laughs> yeah, a real real hungry neighbour. Yeah. <laughs> well, I smell chips. <laughs> We also had a, a message from Kenneth. He had watched Borat 2. <gasps> oh. Uh, or, sorry, Borat's subsequent movie film, which is the actual name of it. Yes. I will get to my review shortly, but he um, he sent me two words. He said the film is absolute golf. Ah. But he had intended to say, obviously, absolute gold, but he had consumed a bottle of wine at that point. So ah. there's your review Absolute of Borat golf. subsequent movie film Absolute Golf thank you Kenneth for getting in touch and everybody knows how exciting golf is revolutionary <laughs> stuff changes the world every day one final piece of uh, contributory listener feedback before we Ooh. it was a very formal way of putting it before we actually get into <laughs> this like, episode like the final address at a funeral or something <laughs> yes contributory listener feedback he was a great guy <laughs> But nobody really liked it. No, you may all go and get your sandwiches while we <laughs> chuck this body into the ground. This is from my good friend Ross Cray, whom I sent a press release to oh. at the weekend oh. from my actual work. And he was kind enough to decide it was worthy Ooh. of his news outlet. Wow. And so uh, so I got I got some, or rather, my the, the business that I work for got some media coverage in the Sunday Post. Oh, how about that? So thank you, Ross. And uh, he responded by saying, thank you very much for the press release. May you continue to keep making above-average podcasts. So thank you, Mr. Cray. It's very much appreciated. That would be a blessing. If we can crack that above-average level, man, we'll be going places. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll take over to the airwaves. Spotify will get in touch, and then we can have the same issue they did this week when they had Joe Rogan interview Alex Jones, and everything just went mad. Yeah, although I thought Joe Rogan had paused production... So, was that after that? I'm not really sure. I, th- I think the issue was more that also all my lights have now gone off. I think the batteries have all, have all just simultaneously probably, died, which is situation, yeah. remarkable considering they've all done that in the space of 30 seconds. Uh, the, Did the you point, buy Energizer? No. <laughs> the point with Joe Rogan's podcast, sorry, before we actually get into the show, was that Alex Jones was spouting some ridiculous conspiracy theories and yes. Joe was just kind of like, hmm, yes. And what about this one? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, that's a really good point. What about this next point? And it just continued unabated for the entire episode duration. This is the issue with Mr. Rogan. And I think we've covered it. Maybe, maybe how, not in the podcast. He, he He's good because he's got connections with people and he lets them talk. The reason he's bad is because he never offers any pushback. Correct. He never makes people have to think about what they're saying. The very best guests are the ones that make Joe have to think about what he's saying, which happens, I think, one in 20 episodes. Too infrequently. When he's got, some, when he's got someone intelligent on um, who, who knows what they're talking about, it's great because they're just informing him about real things. But he, then he brings on a grifter or a conspiracy theorist, which is most of the episodes. Indeed. And they just spout nonsense and he doesn't question them. And then he brings up his own his own um, spins on things, which is usually a message that he got from Tim Pool, who might be one of the stupidest people on the internet, um, but somehow <laughs> Rogan still thinks is a valid news source. Anyway, that's his problem, is he doesn't offer any pushback. It's the same problem we have. It is. But we're not important. 
wait till we get to the above average level and then we can talk. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, yes. coming up on the show, we're going to talk US election, uh, some movie news, Jeremy Corbyn, Emmanuel Macron, and also Man, Boris Corbyn. Johnson. But first of all, James, let's start with the tears, the tears of Scots everywhere the tears. as we talk coronavirus. Oh. Sorry, welcome to Women's Hour, everybody. <laughs> this, is, wow. this is my voice for Radio 2 Women's Hour. <laughs> Okay, city leaders in Glasgow and Edinburgh have been complaining yes. and warning of the damaging impact mm-hmm. of the latest COVID curbs on yeah. jobs and businesses in their area. This comes after the First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, confirmed the new five-tier system of restrictions for all 32 local authorities in the country. Yes. So Glasgow is at level three. Edinburgh, wow. level three. Dundee's at level three. Yeah. Aberdeen is at level two. Inverness yeah. is at level one. And basically most of the north is in level one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The surrounding areas in the central belt are all at varying degrees of two and three, mainly three in the central belt, even yeah. though north and south Lanarkshire, by all accounts, should have been a four. It seemed to be a judgment call that actually putting them into essentially a March-style lockdown was going to be too much. So they were already being lenient in some places. Essentially, yeah. So in Glasgow, the concern is that the level three would hit the Christmas shopping trade. Of course, if you are familiar with the city of Glasgow, you'll know Buchanan Street, St Enoch's, Silverburn, Brayhead, all massive uh, parts of the city, of the city's infrastructure and city's economy, (laughs) with lots of shops and lots of people wandering around spending money. Whereas in Aberdeen, the council leaders are wanting to get the government to put the city into level one rather than level two, and then asked, when can we get to level zero, which is normality? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. When can we do that? Let's just uh, predict that one again, I guess. Let's let's talk first of all, James, about uh, the response from Glasgow, and I, I'm sure right. many people, retailers and traders in the city, who are concerned that this level three restriction means that the shopping trade and Christmas is cancelled. What do we think of this? I mean, it, it is. Christmas is cancelled. The shopping is is gone. That's just that's just true. We need better borrowing powers and lending powers so that these businesses can be propped up because they are important. Um, you know, people's jobs are important. The flow of money within a country is important. Without these things, uh, stuff will fall apart pretty quickly. Yeah. But we don't have those powers. So we are going to see businesses uh, at risk um, because of these lockdowns. But it's also inevitable. And as it stands, the government can't really do anything. There's no right answer. They either lock down and sacrifice the economy and therefore people's jobs, or they don't lock down and they sacrifice people's health and lives. Yep. And everyone's like, oh, it's only going to save like a hundred grannies. One, I like my gran. Um, That's good. Yeah. Two, it's not just the people that we've been over this before. It's not just the people that die that are affected. Uh, if you recover from COVID, you've got a very high chance of having something for the rest of your life. That could be impaired cognitive ability, that could be trouble breathing. There's all sorts of really long-term um, side effects of uh, a, a COVID recovery. Nobody wants that. Right. And if we got, if everybody in the nation gets the thing, 
then the whole nation is going to have foggy brains and struggle and trouble breathing for generations. The the main issue here, James, is certainly from the Chamber of Commerce in Glasgow, the chief exec Stuart Patrick, saying had the government considered the damaging impact it would have on the city centre because of the amount of people from across Scotland who go to Glasgow to get their Christmas shopping. Yeah, and because. All of the central belt is currently in level three, and part of the level three restrictions mean no you do not travel outside of that area. Yeah. Then he's very concerned. But I, I share your sentiment in that if you unlock places where the virus is still spreading, which at this point it still is. It still is. More than, I think, 300 cases yesterday in Glasgow alone. If you unlock everything, then the virus numbers go up exponentially, and then you have to lock down everything for even longer and that's going to cause as you say economic uh strife everywhere yeah and not only that but if we see the numbers go out of control the nhs will be overwhelmed there will be even more expense trying to get things back under control and then the the opposite end of that is that or rather what they're attempting to do now is to have a more nuanced kind of lockdown where these shops are still open but, of course, yes, you're limiting the number of people who can actually come to these shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a delicate balance. And I believe in terms of the city of Glasgow, and it's much tougher to speak for Aberdeen because I'm not there, mm-hmm. but in terms of Glasgow, this is this is what's needed at this point in time. There's more people in this part of the country than anywhere else. Yeah. The virus is still spreading, and particularly in North and South Lanarkshire, which is the likes of Airdrie and Cumbernauld and Motherwell. Aye, aye. Those are right next to Glasgow. And people will be travelling back and forth, and that is partly why the virus has been continuing to spread in these areas, which should have been a level four, but as you say, it's a judgement call. There's no right answer here. Yeah. So I believe they've done, the Scottish government have done what they could. Yeah. And of course, opposition parties are going to tear it apart and say, ah, you should have done this, ah, you should have done that. Which leads me on to Aberdeen. Aberdeen are asking, or rather the uh, city council are asking, why are we not level one? And... Although we are yet to be level one, when can be le- when can we be level zero? I know, yeah. They're kind of asking for two things when they really should be going like, "Hey, could we maybe ask for one thing?" I will. I will just give you my short, succinct feelings on this. Yes, yes. Is just beyond stupid. Are you actually g- genuinely, sincerely asking? I know, right? Hey, Scottish government. I know this pandemic is continuing to wreak havoc across the globe, but can you please tell us when (laughs) we can go back to normal? Because we're all tired of it. Yes, the Scottish government, controllers of the global pandemic, when did you decide this is going to end for us, specifically in this one small place? What what is going through their brain? Like, genuinely, genuine question. What is going through the brains of somebody who is asking that question? Panic. They're getting pressured by... Business and media, they're getting pressured by um, families, care homes, they're getting pressured by all sorts of things. And some of that pressure is um, stuff that we could empathize with and some of that pressure is just selfish. But that panic and that pressure makes people do stuff and some of that stuff is ask dumb questions to the government. They really shouldn't be looking for level zero. They can maybe be looking for level one pretty soon because in Aberdeen and the surrounding area, the numbers have been going down and getting kind of low. Yep. But really, you don't want to go down levels until you're at zero cases. You don't want to go down to level one until you're at zero cases. It, it, just the safer, the better. The, the 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 better you do now, the less likely you are to have to do a level three, level four lockdown again. I understand that people are t- 
tiring and are tired of these yeah. regulations. I certainly am. But, but again, we are less tired than the media says. We've seen the BBC release an article talking about how there's so many house parties getting broken up in uh, Scotland, blah, 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 blah. And then apologising the next day, just not so publicly apologising because they didn't report the fact that the number of parties that are getting broken up are going down week on week. That more and more people are actually uh, abiding by the rules now that the new lockdowns are in place. All of this stuff. Well, I, I, I see that story and I raise you some research which found that only 25% of people under the age of 30 in the UK are actually abiding by the restrictions to the letter of the law. <laughs> yeah. Which means three quarters of people under 30 are in some way breaking those red, uh, those restrictions. When the restrictions are like, don't see anybody at all, I think it's very fair. I think what the media is telling us is that there's hundreds and thousands of mass gatherings and everybody's breaking massive rules and it's really huge problems. But really what we're seeing is the majority of people who are breaking the rules are kind of just like visiting their significant other who happens to not live in the same house as them. Okay. Which is more something I can empathize with more, even if I still would say, just don't do that. Keep being patient. We've got a whole lifetime ahead of us. We get out of this sooner if we all behave. Um, but it's, it's something I can empathize with. Whereas the mass parties that do happen are happening less and less. Maybe they'll pop off again and then I can report that, hey, everybody's partying and it sucks. Just before we move on, the numbers in England are continuing to rise. In some cases, yeah. they're leveling off, but in elsewhere, other parts of the country are being raised to level three in the English system, which is the highest yeah, tier. Yeah. This is very confusing, the fact that English and Scottish, English and Scottish have, <laughs> Scottish, have yeah. tiers, but they're, <laughs> level three means different things in different parts of the parts of the world. Anyway, indeed, indeed. Yorkshire, not uh, are now in level three or will be there shortly and across the country they're recording 52,000 new cases a day. There has been yet another recommendation that England has a short sharp lockdown which Wales are currently in the middle of. Yeah. Uh, which I think they called they did not call it a, a circuit breaker they called it something different like a fire oh, I can't it was like a fire starter it was not fire starter but it was definitely had something fire in it <laughs> yeah no they're just like getting the kindling and going on this covid it's like a break yeah that would a fire extinguisher a fire it? breaker firecracker what? no let's just wait <laughs> okay. please wait stand by technical difficulties breaker. thank you for holding fire break fire break What's the difference between a circuit breaker and a fire break? Fire break sounds worse. Well, actually, I kind of get it because a circuit breaker, like, it's an immediate thing. You click it on as, as soon as there's some damage uh, apparent, but that was too late. <laughs> there was already a lot of that going okay. on. So a circuit breaker is kind of an earlier thing, whereas a fire break implies more planning and more time. You've taken the time to, like, clear the brush from a specific area, which also doesn't work, but it's different and people know it less well. So... They used that as a terminology to make it sound better, I guess. Uh, but it's too late for circuit breakers is the main point. I see. Um, it's just full-on lockdown is the only option. The two-week snap circuit breakers are ineffective at this point. So in England, it's been suggested that, they're, that they should be doing something along these lines instead of yeah. essentially putting just separate counties into different stages of a lockdown. What do you think yeah. about this? I, I, if you're being realistic... 
I don't think that's going to happen. They missed, well, one, it's not going to happen, yes. Two, I think they missed the boat because I believe the ideal time to do it would have been at half term, which I think has passed. I think it was October. They've been talking about this for weeks. Yeah, so they were talking about it like it would be a good thing to do when the kids are all not going to school every day, which made sense. Tell everybody, hey, do a stay at home, stay at home, please, for this stay at home time for two weeks. Uh, but they can't now because the kids are back in school and they're not going to shut schools. Um, so I think they've missed the boat, even if they wanted to do it, which they probably don't because businesses, I guess. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, and we're going to see the numbers carry on going up because this is out of control and they're trying to keep the economy afloat and they're trying to keep people in jobs, even though the majority of people are out of jobs and we've got millions of people uh, on furlough, even though furlough is supposed to end tomorrow, now? October 31st. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Okay, let's jump over to the US before we talk about lighter things. James, the next time that we do a Seesaw Parade podcast, we will have a new president elect. First of all, I can't believe that four years have passed since. We were last in this position predicting who was going to win. That's that's mad. And it just looked so safe. We were having a giggle. <laughs> we were having a great time. I mean, and okay. I, was a, I was a a selfish little idiot back then, and I, I'm how? just slightly less of a selfish little idiot. I'm just talking about how we all grow up and change over the years and looking back. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Why did I air myself? Oh, I mean, I, I was just a terrible person. Um, but I'm glad I did because it's made me confront confront my my horridness and if only Trump could do the same um, I can't believe the time has flown so fast that we're already at another election and that it is as scary I cannot believe that it feels like Trump could win even though he is the cause of death of hundreds of thousands of people yeah. at this point just an just existential point I think for you to change as a person you have to realise your horrible behaviour yeah which Trump has not done I don't think and he's at capable. the age of Nearly 80, I don't think he's capable of doing it. No. I'm sorry, he's not nearly 80. He's must what, 73, maybe? Something like that. Okay, I mean, but anyway. He just looks like death. I mean, not quite as dead as, like, McConnell does and stuff like that, but, you know. Trump is one of the most deadest-looking people in the politics world in America right now. McConnell definitely is ahead of him. I'm not sure who else. Pelosi, probably. She looks a bit like she's oh. a wax, <laughs> wax um, model gone wrong. Uh, Mitch McConnell's hands are currently purple. I saw some pictures. Purple, yeah, black. Oh man, he just—he actually, I think he might be decaying. Okay. Like I'm—I'm I'm not trying to make fun of them here. It's, it's, no, it's no, troubling I agree. How aged quite a lot of the people with significant power are, uh, because that age means that they don't have much of their own life to care about, so they can just go out <laughs> burning in a blaze of glory and burn the system to the ground while they do. <laughs> I believe that if you'd lived through US politics over the last four years, you probably would have aged a decade. I mean, Trump definitely has. Let me hit you with some numbers here. The election, of course, is this Tuesday coming, Tuesday 3rd. uh, We'll have probably uh, an idea of how it's going early on Wednesday morning. More than 81 million people have already voted. Yeah. Which in some states... People have voted more before election day than they did in the entirety of election day in 2016. Yeah. And the voter turnout at this point is set to be the highest in a century. Yeah. James, just before we talk about the candidates, just reflect on those stats for me for a minute. They 
this should be reassuring because we've seen in a lot of countries that are going through like a kind of a dictatory fascist leaning uh-huh. an election comes and everybody goes to vote and so long as the votes are counted properly it's been an uh, uh, 70 to 30 uh, 80 to 20 percent win for the not fascist the not dictator right it should be reassuring to see this massive turnout but for some reason and the reason is just America or the United States of America to be specific this isn't reassuring it feels like not only is there this massive response of people who are being uh, driven to vote for the first time out of a get Trump out of here feeling not only is it them, but I'm pretty sure there's all the people who have comfortably lived under Trump who never voted before, but they're like, oh, this hasn't been so bad for me and my yeah. few people. I guess I'll vote this time because I would like four more years of this because it hasn't harmed me and it's harmed everybody else. I don't, it's not, I, I wish the big turnout was reassuring like it could be in any other country, but it's not in this instance. And it still doesn't feel safe, even though Biden still has more of a lead than Hillary ever was supposed to have. And even though he's less hated than Hillary ever was, still doesn't feel like Trump's going to lose. Yep. couple of points here. The first one being that I have seen lots of people saying that Biden has something like an 86% chance of winning, 93% chance of winning. You know, Trump could still win, but yeah. it's only a slim margin. I mean... <sighs> I will save my prediction for a few minutes' time once I've aired some more of my thoughts. I think what's really interesting here, and we saw this with the Scottish independence referendum in 2014, is that when you have a very emotive issue, you do see, or a very um, highly contested discussion politically, that's when you see massive voter turnout. Because the 2014 referendum, if my memory serves me correctly, 89% of the Scottish electorate voted. That was unprecedented at the time because most elections sit about 56%, maybe pushing 60 in some areas. So to have 89% turnout at the referendum was, at that point, unprecedented. And here in the States, we're seeing something similar because of just how important this election is. Because it it does... For them, it's that significant, yeah. It does lay out what... America is going to look like over the next 40 years and perhaps beyond that. Yeah. So I believe that, yeah, you're right. We're, we're seeing people who have never voted before feeling energized to go and vote. But I believe that's true on both sides. I'm sure there are people in the QAnon movement and people who support Trump who prior to him coming to power had never voted in their lives. And now, yeah. because they're part of a movement and they see this giant red wave and Trump uh, stopping the deep state, satanic, cannibal, child molesters, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all voting now as well. So to summarize, I hope the Biden wins, but I'm not going to say he does because there is just that little part of me that says... It is still within the realms of possibility. Yeah. And because of the way that the Electoral College works in the US, it doesn't matter if you get 3 million more votes, as Hillary proved in 2016. It doesn't matter if you get more votes. If you didn't win the right states, yeah. you're not going to be the president. Yeah. And so that is that is the one thing that I'm thinking, if Trump wins the likes of Florida and Ohio and Michigan and these um, swing states, as they're called, then he could still be president for another four years. Final thought, James, if Biden does win or is declared the winner, Trump has been laying the groundwork for this election being rigged for 
months, if not yeah, years. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it ain't gonna be uh okay, well done, Joe. You've you fought a good fight and I'm gonna tidy the place up for you. I'll scrawl my name on the oval office desk. He's gonna fight tooth and nail. I can guarantee there will be violent protests, riots. All sorts is going to kick off, regardless of how yeah. the result goes on Tuesday. Yeah, we're seeing um, media outlets, we're seeing like supermarkets and all these p- places preparing themselves for uh, violence. Basically, we, um, we see Walmart has taken guns out of display and stuff like that. Yeah, we've got um, media fo- media outlets telling their staff how to be safe and things like that. Um, it seems inevitable that no matter what happens, there's going to be massive protest or riot or both probably both Uh, there's going to be violence there's going to be massive responses trump if he loses won't go easy even if he goes it'll be to try and flee someplace before he gets imprisoned i guess uh biden if he loses will probably just like wither and die for all we know and the sad thing for me is that a lot of the people who are trying to pretend that Biden secured the vote are saying that, hey, Biden's going to win because he's got the youth behind him. If we get the youth behind him and the youth vote, then Biden's definitely going to win. And it's exactly the same people who were saying, hey, Biden's going to win uh, the primaries because Bernie's got the youth and the youth never vote. And it's like, okay, (laughs) all right, which one of those is true? (laughs) Because the youth don't vote. We learned that here as well. The youth seemed galvanized uh, and the um, build up to our last election and then they did not go because it, no, exactly. it was a rainy day um, so it's same thing's going to happen um, it's scary I'm scared and I'm far away I can't imagine how bad it must feel yep. for people who are at any level of awareness within the states I, I agree just before we move on I do have this unsettling feeling as like a, a slight sense of dread about what's going to happen because it has ramifications for the planet. It's not just for the states. Yeah. And I've seen the vitriol and the hate and some of just the most ludicrous things I've ever read in my life posted on social media in the last few weeks. Yeah. And it's toxic. It's horrible. And despite, as you say, being very, very far away, I just have a very bad feeling about it. Yeah, and this the, the the hate and the conspiracy and all of that it is spreading across the world. We see it here in the UK. This this really really strange viral support for a president who hates everybody, as though it's going to help us at all. And um, for those for the people over here who are his fans, like I don't understand. This is a wider discussion for another episode. Yes, but yes, yes. Is the human race? <laughs> on the trajectory we're going in terms of pitting one another one against the other and becoming more and more partisan by the day are we on a trajectory from which we cannot recover because i have n- i cannot remember a time where and okay i mean i am more i am more aware of the news and politics than i was when i was a kid but yeah. i do not remember a time where we have been more divided ever no. there, well yeah no there was this well since since wars, I suppose, but there was this massive era of supposed peace, but that was slowly getting whittled by the nations who were so proudly proclaiming it. We've got the US, the UK, France, blah, 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 all going around the world, installing unrest and dictatorships, 
And of course, that has come back to bite us because they were doing it within their own countries too. They were um, yeah. making sure that there wasn't as much oversight for each subsequent leader. They were making sure that there was less and less power in the people and more power in the individual high up out of reach of everybody. And that has finally been taken advantage of by the likes of Russia, by the likes of China, who have realized that you don't need to weaken a country anywhere. You just need to weaken the person at the top of the institution who will do what they want and there won't be a way to control them because so many of the rules are just handshakes rather than um, something legal. And that's happened in the US and the UK very evidently. Um, but there is hope, just to make it clear. That all sounded like there was no hope, but the hope is, no hey oh, we get a couple of good votes going the right way uh, now and then we spend a long time writing things into law instead of making it formal agreements between gentlemen. Because gentlemen suck. All right, James, let's uh, move this podcast to a lighter gear, shall we? Oh, and, yay. Uh, talk about what we've been watching over the past week. I have a film. I believe you have a TV show. I do. Okay, well, because... For the last two weeks at least, I have done all the talking in the review segment. I'm going to ask you to go first. Tell me, James, what have you been watching? I finished season three of Castlevania. Hey, what's that? Which I started a very long time ago. I think I talked about Castlevania before. I'm sure you it's have It's a before, Netflix yeah. uh, animated show um, in the universe of the Castlevania games, exploring the characters there. Interesting. Uh, kind of mostly following the general gist of the games, but... Not always. And I went into season one, as I said last time we were talking about this, low expectations. Okay. I loved it. I went into season two. I was like, well, they're not going to get it right twice in a row. And then I loved it. And I went into season three with ever more reasons to believe that the show was going to fall apart because they had an absolutely massive gap that they couldn't fill. And it was amazing. And it wasn't amazing like this is 10 out of 10 writing. This is worthy of winning all sorts of awards. It was just so enjoyable. It was dumb in all the right ways. It was predictable in all the right ways. The characters were cliche in all the right ways. But the animation was really beautiful at times. Um, the story was really beautiful at times. Even if it felt a little rushed, uh, all the character moments were earned at the same moment, at the same time, rather. Um, so overall, somehow, on season three, when I've had two seasons back to back that I enjoyed far more than I had any right to believe I would, I enjoyed this one. It's exceeding the expectations that I had, um, even with the predictability, even with this sometimes rough, but overall very nice and sometimes very beautiful animation. They've added some new characters who are really cool and good um, that are expanding the story. And I don't know where it's going because it might not just be Castlevania after they've added some of the stuff they're doing. It got a wee bit sci-fi rather than just like vampire horror. There was actually a hint of okay. cosmic stuff going on. This could be this could be huge. I don't think I've seen a show quite like it. So I'm I'm, I'm impressed. I I do recommend it to people who enjoy like just kind of dumb but mostly enjoyable shows. Um, it's got good voice acting, far better than. I remember I said it was a weak element at the beginning and they keep getting better. Yeah. Some of them are lines are delivered quite lazily, but the cast is great. They added some, it's the new characters, the voice acting was great for them too. Um, and 
I do feel like some of the characters are a bit more lost in the plot than the others. Some of them don't have a drive right now and other people are getting treated to entire story arcs. But overall, everybody's going in directions that keep you engaged as a viewer. Okay, let me tell you about what I've been watching. I have finished, or rather, I saw... (laughs) I finished, yeah. I have finished a movie. I saw Borat, subsequent movie film, which is the sequel to the 2006 movie. Right. Starring Sasha Baron Cohen as the titular character. And this time, the plot is, essentially, he goes back to America after mm-hmm. 14 years hard labor in Kazakhstan for his yeah. terrible crime of releasing the first movie and bringing shame to the nation. Of course. He is tasked with returning to the US to give Vice President Mike Pence a gift of a sex monkey. Ah. However... The monkey is uh, killed in transit, oh. and instead he is paired up with his daughter, right? who is played by newcomer Maria Bakalova. Right. And now the plot is, we've got to get my Kazakh daughter, who at the start of the film is living in a cage in a farm, mm-hmm. ready to meet Mike Pence. And of course, she is the one who then goes on to meet Rudy Giuliani. Ah, yes, yes. The moment. Spoiler. So, let me say, first of all, you have to be in a certain kind of mindset to watch this movie because some of the things that are said and done are toe-curling. Yeah, yeah. In that, you know, it's it's so it's so brazen, it's so bold. I actually was finding it very difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. It's at some, at some uh, points. I will not give away any spoilers about the set pieces. Right. But... <laughs> Essentially, they're just going to different parts of of Texas and finding people who are so head-scratchingly either racist or anti-Semitic or just a whole variety of character flaws and getting them involved in these situations which a rational human being would say would say hold on now this that's totally unreasonable what you're asking me to write on this cake yeah 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 <laughs> i'm not going to do it but instead borat and said daughter managed to get these people to do just terrible things yeah and say terrible things and do terrible things most notably as we've mentioned rudy giuliani who is in a hotel room with Maria Bakalova, and yeah, it's it's kind of it's a very grey area of was he doing anything other than tucking his shirt in, or was he putting his hand down there for another reason? I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you otherwise. Yeah, it's very difficult to tell if it, if it's intentional or it's malicious or oh, I, I don't know. Anyway, it is. I don't think it has the same cutting edge as the first one. Okay, but it is still mildly enjoyable. Right. I know Ken said it was absolute golf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which to be I fair, would disagree. golf is mildly enjoyable. It is not absolute golf, but it is an enjoyable way of reaffirming what we already thought of certain parts of America. That's what I'd say. Yeah. I, I hear there are like one or two very, very redeemable characters. Very like not characters because they're actually human beings, but people he encounters who are just Actual gold. There's there's a couple of people who, yes, who are clearly good people. Yeah. And you can see that in their interactions that they are good people and they want to help. Yeah. But of course you have the other people who are just beyond the pale in terms of the things they do and say. And that's yeah. kind of what you're there to see. But the, the amazing thing is that it's, it's not that 
he and his team of producers and scouts went about trying to find the most ridiculous people on the street and then try and manipulate them into situations. They just found people. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't have targets. They didn't plan ahead uh-huh. as much as as much as it might seem. Finding this chain of ridiculousness, Cohen's just got this way of making people feel like they can be the ridiculous things that they actually are. And in a lot of his productions, uh, he makes people say and do really unreal things, even small things. Um, oh yeah, I don't understand what kind of a character he must be to to produce this air of you may relax even though the cameras are here you just be you and it's all going to be fine because people let out their inner self that they really should know not to and they do it and it's lost people their jobs before yep um rightly and it's lost people their respect before again rightly um this might do it again to a few people but uh, overall this is the kind of thing that people need um if, if only they keep in mind that this isn't uncommon these people aren't uncommon and we need to work hard to try and educate this out of out of a population. Final, All of these bad views. Final thoughts. Maria Bakalova is excellent. I think she has the best set pieces in the film and handles them very, very well with much more aplomb and bravery than I ever could. Mm-hmm. And also the news this week was that the Kazakhstan Tourist Board are adopting the oh, yeah. very nice I, slogan. I didn't do that justice. Yeah. I'm not going to try again. But it's adopting the very nice slogan for its actual adverts yeah. because, if you recall, there was quite the furore after the first film came out, and it turns out that actually Borat has been a good thing for Kazakhstan yeah. in that they have seen a massive increase in the number of tourists coming to the country, the number of people applying for visas, and uh, this is now reflected in their accepting of the very nice. Yeah, and hopefully accepting it doesn't cause the curse to happen wherein, like, if you really like one of the nicknames people try to give you, it just doesn't stick, and then the one that you don't like does. So I hope they don't undo the benefits they're getting from uh, the slogan. And I bet they paid far less to adopt a slogan than, let's say, Scotland did for its tourism slogan off uh, Welcome to Scotland. (laughs) Okay, a couple more bits of movie news. The Suicide Squad, which is the... James Gunn directed sequel to Suicide Squad, not to be confused with that film from a few years ago, has released a whole bunch of set photos to Empire magazine, including James, the cover, which, to my count, has 15 different Suicide Squadders on it. That is a lot of suicides. Yeah, there's a lot lot in this squad. You might say that a squad implies fewer people in this but then it just depends on what sport you're talking about like american football seems to have like 100 100 people in a squad so by that by that reasoning this is quite a small squad this is like this is a reasonable sized squad Um, if you're playing badminton doubles this is far too much the number of people and the brave um scripting and directing that we've seen um from the people working on this implies to me that none of the characters are guaranteed to survive. I disagree. Maybe like the lead three or four, but there's a lot of big names in the side characters. Yes. That you'd expect this would be their their intro to their their own standalone film, but it might just be a good paycheck. So here's here's my theory. Right. If you check the cover of Empire, you see the 15 suicide squatters on there. I'd say the front row are safe because they're the biggest names. You've got John Cena, 
Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, Joel Kinnaman. They're all in the front row. Right. They're all fine. Beyond that, <laughs> it's it's anyone's game. I know you've got yeah, no, Peter yeah. Capaldi in there and you've got a whole host of other famous people who I can't remember right now and also a guy playing a shark, but they're all dead because as long as you keep the marquee people alive who are in the front row of the picture because they're the most important, then that's fine. Everyone else is expendable. The one thing I would say is that there are clearly more people in this squad than there were in the first one because the first Suicide Squad, there was maybe six of them. And the first dude, uh, Slipknot, had two lines and then he died. Yeah, he was the the token, let's prove how high the stakes are. And then there was one other guy who got his, like, sacrificial, all right, I'm out of here and I'm going to do good on the way out. Whereas this time, we're going to see characters for sure dying for either dumb reasons or for conflict reasons or just in an actual combat reason. Well, well, clearly James Gunn has realised that you can't have a Suicide Squad, or sorry, this Suicide Squad film and not kill off characters, you know, at a fairly reasonable rate. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole point of the... uh, the group they're there to try and do something that nobody else can do but they're having to be pressured to do it so it's high risk uh, zero reward for them um but so many of these characters look expendable i i i however would not be surprised if elba doesn't make it for example no 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 he's too good i wouldn't be surprised if cena didn't make it because he's got a tv series and the tv series might be a prequel no but it wouldn't surprise me I mean, I think they're going to make it, but it's still, I think they are expendable. Okay, one more piece of uh, movie news. This is the news that Oscar Isaac, who is best known for his roles in Star Wars, in Ex Machina, and also in Coen Brothers' film Inside Lewin Davis, has been tapped to play Moon Knight, who is the lead character in a new Marvel TV show for Disney Plus. Right, yeah, because we're getting endless TV shows now that we are in a (laughs) pandemic. As you have reflected in various episodes now, James, Mm -hmm. that studios everywhere are realising that right now, the money's in TV, the money's in streaming. So let's not make any more movies for the time being. Let's just focus on TV. And if you have made a movie, don't release it until at least the latter half of next year. Yeah. This, uh, This character is pretty unknown certainly to general viewers i was hearing about him for the first time but apparently he is a protagonist with split personalities and multiple alter egos yes and sometimes one of those alter egos is pretty clearly like an aspect of a god or something and then sometimes it's just like (laughs) no he actually is just somebody with split personalities like it depends who's writing the character whether or not uh, it is just uh a, dis- a disability. I don't really know how to describe it. Um, whether it is just split personalities or some sort of mega godly interference. Uh, so we don't know what character we're quite going to see. However, we do have the showrunner for Umbrella Academy taking this one on. Interesting. And, uh, Umbrella Academy, for what it was worth, did a pretty good job overall. So you, I, you did finish that show, didn't you? Uh, today I did. I'm just going to review it next oh, week. T- Okay, right. Well, let's not spoil that then. Yeah. Um, so it, this could this could be good. It's a safe it's safe hands. It's Marvel. It's Disney. It, it's at least going to be mediocre. So hey, well done, Isaac or Oscar, I guess. I want to say Isaac. Okay, let's wrap up. Oh right, yeah, no. Let's wrap up with a quick news of Corbin. <laughs> It's, oh. it's time for some quick news, James. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sir Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, has defended his decision to suspend the former leader, Jeremy Corbyn, from the party mm-hmm. after his reaction to a report on anti-Semitism within yes. Labour. So the UK's human rights watchdog said on Thursday that Labour broke the law yeah. by failing to stamp out anti-Jewish racism in its ranks whilst Mr Corbyn was leader. And before. In response, Mr Corbyn said the scale of anti-Semitism within the party had been dramatically overstated well, yeah. by his opponents. And this was the comment that prompted Mr Starmer to suspend him. Oh, so it was one part of his statement, I guess. His statement was it pretty was. clear that there was anti-Semitism within Labour, that it isn't acceptable. And then he said, for some reason, which is dumb, he decided to add again the line that it was being exaggerated, which, yes, it was, but there are times to say things, and that wasn't one of those times. However, however, the report itself, which details the failings of the Labour Party Um, But also some successes of the Labour Party in beginning to stamp out and improve its proceedings for, you know, reporting and uh, investigating anti-Semitism. The report itself said that the, the, the saying such a thing as the scale of anti-Semitism was exaggerated shouldn't be punishable, which then Corbyn said, which granted he shouldn't have said, but he said it. And then he got suspended, which feels like punishment, which is what the report said shouldn't happen when people say exactly that thing. So this is a, this is messier than people. People are all like, oh, yeah, well done, Starmer. You did a great job just stamping that out. But it's like, no, the report says don't stamp that out because it's legitimate. So this report was from the Equality and Human Rights Commission, which was actually set up by Labour themselves whilst they were in power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I my reading into this, James, is clearly... As the report states, anti-Semitism has been a problem in Labour yes. for quite some time, and they didn't have adequate, um, f- f- um, they didn't have adequate procedures to investigate right. reports and investigate complaints. But all I'm seeing happening here is that Mr. Corbyn has said something which he he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have because it's bad. It's a bad take at the time. Yeah, even if it's true, and now. Despite the fact that Labour have been in in disarray internally yeah. for the best part of a decade, yeah. this is just adding more fuel to the fire. We're just getting dragged back into another yeah. internal Labour Party argument. In fact, it was John McDonnell, who is the former shadow chancellor. Yeah, and the smart one on the lefty side of the Labour Party, I would say. He said the party was drifting towards another hell of a row over the use of language, misinterpretation, followed by an overreaction. Yeah. And that is, not to copy John McDonnell, is also what I would agree with. Because yeah, to no. me, you can say, Mr. Corbyn, uh, I, and I disagree entirely with his, uh, his reaction, and it's something that uh, we're leaving in the past because I'm the current leader of Labour and this is what we're going to do. That's yeah. what you should have said, yeah. but instead, you're just causing unnecessary drama and an investigation and now like crowdfunding his legal fees all this nonsense which is detracting from the whole point of Sir Keir Starmer taking over the Labour Party which was to be a sustainable uh, a credible and solid opposition to an inept UK government yeah and somebody who could unite the party but instead he's booting out people who he kind of disagrees with but at other points we've had bigotry uh, and basic transphobia being 
enabled, I guess, because people within labor right. are doing that right now and they're not getting booted out. So there is serious problems in like how he's responding to different things in different ways. And in this case, where Corbyn said a thing that the report says, don't punish people who say this, it's really weird to immediately not listen to the report and punish him. Yep. And the report itself is is very interesting because it's like, hey, yeah, the, the office of the leader of the opposition broke, well, acted out with the law on several occasions, sometimes because they wanted to speed up the investigations into uh, anti-Semitism, and that's bad. And then sometimes because they wanted to slow it down, and that's bad. And it's just like, they were involved, and that's bad. They shouldn't have been involved in the investigations or putting pressure in either direction. They did both. Why were they involved? Because of the relentless media pressure for them to get involved. For the relentless media pressure of people asking what is Corbyn and his office doing made them get involved. Have we talked about before with Aberdeen and his council asking dumb questions? With all of that pressure, yeah, of course they made a bunch of mistakes. We've got the report saying, hey, you weren't doing enough... um, to stamp out and improve your process. And then the report also acknowledges the fact that once Formby came in, there was progress. Who was in, who, who was in charge before Formby? It was McNichol. What, did he like Corbyn? No. Was he interested in slowing down the process because it looked bad for Corbyn? I guess he might have been. <laughs> the report didn't have access to the leaked document that we all have all seen. And it's leaked in quotes because it wasn't leaked. It was released. Um <laughs> And they they're like, hey, can we have all the details in that report? And Labour is saying, well, I guess not. And then the, the people at the commissioner saying, I hey, okay, that will do. We don't need it then. So it's like, it's really weird. This doesn't feel like a victory for anyone. And again, Labour is just in trouble. The only benefit is that, much like all the trouble that Conservatives are in right now, it's early on. They're not going to have another election for a while. We don't think. People will have forgotten about this by then, unless the media can keep it going for as long as they did under Corbyn. Um, but wow, it's huge. Again, it's huge. This 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 story just keeps building, and hopefully this is the last time we have to visit it, because anti-Semitism within any party should be stamped out now that Labour uh, are having to set up an independent team to deal with it. That should be it. All investigations should proceed at a good rate from now on. Um, and if there are any problems uh, within the party, it will be resolved. That's the hope. Okay, that was from our special correspondent, James. Thank you for that report, James. My, yeah, no, like, my goodness. It's, I, <laughs> it's just so huge. And I, I tried to read the whole thing and then I didn't, I didn't quite get it all. So I tried again and wow. Okay, moving on. There's diplomatic incidents uh, continuing to spiral out of control on the continent and particularly in France. It's recalled its ambassador to Turkey after President Erdogan told the press that his French counterpart Emmanuel Macron needed to have his head checked for pledging to defend secular values and fight radical Islam in France. This was on the back of the murder of the French teacher Samuel Paty uh, a few weeks ago, followed up by a second terrorist incident in Nice on Thursday in which three people died in a church which uh, the attacker is in hospital. He was shot by police. He's still alive. 21-year-old Tunisian who had arrived in the country a few weeks earlier. Yeah. And this has now led to, as Macron has stood his ground and said, we must be uh, united in this country regardless of nationality and, and religion and we will do all we can to fight radical Islam. It's now seen 
various Arab countries remove French products from their shelves yeah. because Macron refused to condemn the drawing off cartoons uh, insulting Islam in various ways. Uh, James, this seems to be, again, another issue which is never-ending. Yep. Broad, expanding, and everybody just seems to be trying to make it bigger all the time. Um, as we said, these attacks, the way to deal with them is serious investment and education in everyone that enters your country. You allow them in, you teach them, well, or you de-radicalize them, blah, blah, blah. The response from Macron seemed pretty reasonable. He was pretty clear. He's not saying Islam bad. He's saying radical bad, yep. which you could say about any religion and be correct, which you could say about any people group and be correct. Radical to the degree of like terrorism and attacking people, bad. Um, so I, I don't quite follow the 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 backlash, and we've seen backlash. We've seen was it the one of the ex PMs of Malaysia or someplace said that Muslims had the right to um, be angry and attack folks, and uh, some in some cases they do. Sometimes we were bombing a whole bunch of innocents and stuff like that. But it's just this endless escalation worldwide of um, nobody being happy with with what other political leaders are saying about a thing. Uh-huh. And in this instance, we got someone saying, don't do terrorism, basically. And then we got Turkey saying, oh, we, we best boycott you then. It just seems dumb to try and escalate somebody saying, don't do terrorism. Um, but now we're seeing um, other countries in the EU trying to say, hey, well, I guess we'll boycott right back because that's bad what you just did there. So I don't know what, what's going to happen. It could just keep escalating again. Um, if it does, then the, the the folks in the streets who have been radicalized will feel more tension. They'll be more likely to engage, feeling like they're doing their part in a struggle when they're not. One final story to end the show with, James, and this is the fact that MPs are suing Boris Johnson over his alleged failure to investigate the claims <laughs> of alleged. Russia's attacks on the UK elections in recent years. Cross-party band of politicians and peers have filed legal proceedings against the government, accusing them of failing to protect UK democracy. James, to me, this looks like a publicity stunt. Yeah. Uh, What's your take on it? Yeah, it's a publicity stunt. These kind of things, I I don't know, have they ever gone anywhere? No. Sometimes we get, well, I guess more often with Boris and his pals in charge than ever before we get uh, a declaration that they acted unlawfully and then nothing happens because who cares but then they hate that anyway so they try to remove the courts from having any power at all uh, so on and so on it's probably not going to go anywhere good on them for suing him we all know that the conservatives um, did not care to give us security Correct. from external threats they didn't care it was pretty much confirmed by the report, which they controlled and redacted. So if they controlled and redacted it and it was still almost confirmed, and at least we know that they just didn't try, <laughs> then for sure, they're guilty. But does guilty mean anything in this case? No. So, eh. And it's too early for it to affect any election that's coming up. So I don't know. Can we have? Is there any hope that this will have any effect, positive effect for any of us? Nah, not really. But I'd will be it change anyone's surprised. mind about the UK government? I doubt it. <laughs> no, no. Everybody who still votes for Boris and pals, they are they're gone. There's no reasoning with them at this point. Um, oh yeah. So 
bunch of MPs suing suing Boris, even if he's found to have been neglectful and basically uh, a traitor, won't make a difference to them. Okay, James, time is up for this episode of Z's Operate, episode 225. What a what a milestone it is. Wow, yeah, 225. That's the goal we all want to hit. <laughs> Absolutely. 250 is now in sight. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you for your time, James. Always appreciated. I don't know. Thank you, everyone. I'll see you next week when we have a new president. Wow. Oh, wow, yeah. That's scary. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Cheers, everyone. Okay, bye. <laughs>